Genesis chapter 50. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, today. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 50, I want to talk about Joseph. But more importantly, I want to talk about God restoring and reconciling us to him and to one another. So here's what it reads in Genesis chapter 50. Look at verse 15. And I'm just really excited about this because I think anytime we can talk about reconciliation and forgiveness and binding and loosing and releasing, it's very, very, very healthy always healthy. So check this out. Verse 15 of Genesis chapter 50 says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong, which he did to him, which we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Mm, I'm touched by that. Verse 18, then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in God's place? As for you, verse 20, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So verse 21 finally says, so therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. So, Lord, we just ask in this message that you would be glorified and your people would be edified and they, we would understand the word so that we're not only hearers this morning, but that we're doers also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, what an amazing passage. So just a, just a really a quick, quick background. Joseph, um, you know, was Jacob's 11th of 12 sons. Guy was born when Joseph, Jacob was like 91 years old. Whew, okay. There's, there's a, a thought for you. Uh, born to J Rachel, only one of two sons. It was just Joseph and Benjamin. And obviously Jacob made some mistakes in his life. One of the mistakes he made was how he spoiled and provided special treatment for Joseph. Um, just an aside, parents don't favor children, no favorites, no special treatment, don't single anyone out, 
it can be a problem for you, and it certainly will be a problem for them, as learned in this passage in Genesis 37, really 37 through 50, but certainly 37 and, and 45, that Jacob learned the hard way. Just imagine, just imagine the first 17 years of Joseph's life, he was able to enjoy that time with his family. The next 22 years, he's in Egypt, most of which was spent in prison of one sort of or, or another. Slavery, prison, same thing, pretty much. And then fortunately, the, the, the next 17 years, he was um, able to, to spend with his father uh, be, and family before Jacob died at the uh, ripe old age, I believe, of 147 or something. Um, but I'm thinking about all of that loss, that 22 years of Joseph's life that he lost due to some self-inflicted wounds. I mean, granted, Joseph had some issues. Arrogance comes to mind, pride, self-sufficiency, selfishness, little conceited, little smartest guy in the room syndrome. He had some issues that he needed to work out and God needed to work them out of him. I, I love this passage. I believe it's in Philippians second chapter where it says it is God who is at work in you to will and to work his good pleasure. And the verse right before that, I believe Ephesians, Philippians 2.12, I think says something like, Work out your own soul, soul salvation with fear and trembling. And then the following verse, I believe it's 13, says, for it is God who is at work in you um, to work and to will his good pleasure. But the Lord is always working in us. Philippians 1, 6 says, I am confident of this thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is, is working even during this pandemic. You know, there's so many bad things I could share with you, but I don't need to because you know of the loss of life, of the sickness, of the health issues, of the loss of income, the loss of employment, in some cases the loss of families, etc. But there's also been so many good things God has done. Unintended consequences of this pandemic, unintended to us, certainly intended by God. And just like in this situation with Joseph, where these boys, his 11, well, certainly 10 of his 11 brothers, I don't think he was going to do anything to Benjamin. Benjamin wasn't responsible for Joseph's circumstances being dropped in a pit, being rebuked by his dad, being hated by his brothers, being sold into slavery, being accused and, and trying to be seduced unsuccessfully by Potiphar's wife being kicked out of Potiphar's house, being thrown into prison by Potiphar, helping the baker and the, the cupbearer, the butler, only to find that the cupbearer forgot about him and left him to rot in prison for an additional two years. All of these things this guy endured. You would say, man, this is cruel and unusual punishment, Pastor Will. No one should have to go through this. This guy is almost like Job. Well, God needed to do some things in Joseph's life too. So I think maybe there's one lesson here that I wasn't even planning to talk to you about. And that is just for a second, sometimes 
so-called bad things happen. Sometimes trials and tribulations happen. Sometimes trouble comes to make us better, to discipline us, but also to build us up. I love what Jacob, what Joseph said rather in verse 20 said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about the present results and to save many people, which we'll get to in a second. But I'm just thinking about that word results, by the way, which is a part of my message. It's it's in my notes. Uh, you, you got sort of the addendum part B in my notes. The, the word results is in there because God is always about results. It's about getting us from point A to point B, getting us from where we are now to where we need to be, getting us from where we want to be to getting us to where God wants us to be. What I think about myself is not good enough. It's what God thinks of me. I need to get to God's goal. I need to, to, uh, I need to leap over and, and, and clear the hurdle that God has for me. I need to measure up to that bar, not my bar. We're always trying to bring the standards down. God's standards are high. Amen? You can just say amen right where you're sitting, standing. <laughs> All right. So let's just talk about uh, those results. Let's just talk about what God did here. Because this, this is just amazing to me. I love what Joseph said there in verse when Joseph does. Uh, started to talk there in verse 19 of Genesis 50. He says, don't be afraid for I, I, am I in God's place? When I, when I, when I read that, I thought about what it says over in Romans 12, 19. And that is, he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. It's, it's not our job to extract our pound of flesh. It's not our job to, you know, and, and, and still in our form of justice, for us to get back, to get even, to even the score, to settle the score. God needs to do it. And that's a tough thing about reconciliation. It's a tough thing about forgiveness because we feel this, 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 this righteous indignation where, where we need to right a wrong, where we need to fix it. We need to just let this person have a piece of our mind. They need to know just how upset we are how angry we are, how violated we are, how injured we are. That's not our job because it's only going to escalate the situation. Think had Joseph used his amazing power, second most powerful man on the earth at that time. Think had he willed his power against his brothers. He could have annihilated them. But to what end? Where does it stop? Where does it end? He would have not been the man that God made him into had he flipped the script and went back on his brothers. He said, am I in the place of God? Is it my, is it my role to execute judgment? Am I to be the judge, jury, and executioner? No, that's not my place. I'm a man too with many, 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 many issues, many faults, many problems. Believe me, a lot of what happened to me was self-inflicted. Running around there with my coat of many colors, talking about dreams and y'all bowing down to me, my older brothers, my own parents bowing down to me. I mean, even if they were dreams, you know, God gives us wisdom. 
you know, just because you know something doesn't mean that you have to say everything that's on your heart, as the late, great Ella Hilton used to say. You know, there there's some things that we, you know, my, my beautiful niece Gloria said in Bible class Wednesday, that it's a wise man wins souls. You, you have to, you know, you have to sometimes learn when silence is a better virtue. You don't just say everything. Even if he was correct, maybe he didn't exercise the best judgment in sharing his dreams with his father and his brothers. And I think that the Lord had to teach Joseph some things. And sometimes we learn lessons through the school of hard knocks and bumps. And it's the hard way, but it's the effective way. Amen. And so Joseph went through these things and God brought him to a place where he understood through breaking him down that I have work for you to do and you're not ready for it yet. Those dreams came, look, those dreams came when he was around the age of 17. 17. He's now, according to the timeline that I looked up and in terms of his age, he's uh, by, by the time he's in charge of things in Egypt, he's 30. Well, he in, interprets the dream for Pharaoh at age 30. And he's 39 years old before his family comes down to Egypt to buy grain. 22 years When I, when I was prepping for this sermon this week, I said, Lord, um, if there's some issues going on in my life that I haven't resolved to your satisfaction, please help me that it doesn't take me 22 years to get where you need me to be, or not 22 more. You know, maybe it's taken 22 years just to, to get us to this point, wherever we are, all are collectively in our walk. L Lord, help me now, help us now to learn our lessons a lot quicker, maybe a lot less painfully. <laughs> help, help us, Lord, to get, get the point that you're trying to teach us in our lives. Help us to get to that place where, where, where we're glorifying you, where we're edifying the body, where, where we're productive, where we're useful to your kingdom and not just fighting against you and kicking against the pricks the way Saul was before his name was changed to Paul in Acts 9. Help us not to be thinking we're doing the right thing and we're actually counterproductively doing the wrong thing. Expose us to us. Reveal us to us, as it says in Psalms 139. Show me who I am, what I am, where I'm messing up. And how I need to get things together. Okay, so point number one. Point number one, when I look at this with, with Joseph, here's how he got to the point to me of success. First of all, real recognition. Write it down. Real recognition of his problem. He recognized that you guys did me wrong. He said it right up in, in Psalms 50, 20. He said, hey, you intended to harm me. I don't think there's anything wrong with loving, honest, transparent confrontation. Hey, you offended me. You know, dude, you, you said something to me that I don't think was appropriate. You came in on me and uh, I, I don't think that was right. You, you went after me. 
You hurt my reputation. You tarnished my, my, my image. You're, you're going after me physically, financially, maybe mentally, emotionally. However you are, are, are hurt or wounded, I think it's good to lovingly, politely, compassionately let that be known. You don't have to rub it in and say like, okay, I know, I know, I know what you did and I know where you live. <laughs> I don't think Joseph did it that way. You know, and that's why I said I was just so moved by verse 17 of Genesis 50, where it says, when Joseph heard the message that his brother sent him, that was basically saying, please, Joseph, don't kill us now that dad is gone. <laughs> please don't kill us because we know you were just holding back because dad was around. <laughs> now Jacob is gone. Uh, please don't get us back. We know what we did was horrible. I love how the fact that the Bible says in verse 17 of Genesis 50 that Joseph just wept. Oh boy, that just shows brokenness. Just compassion. Oh. Just because you've been, listen, listen, saints, you that are listening here, uh, there's 48 connections and I'm sure there's more than that because there's two people and two or more people and some connections. Listen to me, please. I'm not going to be much longer. Just because someone did you wrong, lied on you, took something from you, took advantage of you, wounded your ego, wounded your pride, talked about you, backbiting, whatever this, this sniping or character assassination that may have taken place. Just because you were wronged don't mean that you can't be sorrowful or compassionate or polite or forgiving or loving. It, it doesn't entitle us to be horrible people and respond in kind. Who are we? Who are we? That we can just demand some sort of allegiance because we were offended or hurt or wounded or injured. Who are we? What have we done? What have we done to others? We wouldn't want that treatment, you know, imposed on us. I wrote down this amazing scripture that I found in Psalms 55. It says in verse 11 regarding real recognition, it says everything, the psalmist writes, everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. Sounds like 2021. It's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not an enemy who, or it's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. This is David writing, by the way. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, my close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. This is David, just hurt, pouring out his heart. He's been treacherously undermined. He's been sabotaged. He's been just just com com completely stabbed in the back by 
a, a close associate of his, this is relating to an issue with Absalom and some sort of uh, rebellion that Absalom had launched against David. But this situation is was just so deep in David's heart that he says, you know, it was you, you, my brother, my companion, my close friend, we worship together. And so I think it's it's a good thing. By the way, when when David sinned and committed adultery with Bathsheba, Nathan confronted him and said, you were the one who stole the guy's ewe lamb that he treated like a family member that slept in his bed. You, it was you, you, David, you did it. There, there's something up, there's just something about recognition that's important, but it's important that we also recognize that whatever has been done to us, we've done to others, and we've certainly done it to God. Here's number two. Real recognition is number one. Real reconciliation is number two. Joseph didn't just forgive his brothers. The Bible says that he says, I will nourish you and your little ones. In other words, I'm, I'm not going to hold any grudges. Yes, God. Wow. That is just so rich. It's <laughs> so rich. Yeah. Kind of reminds me over in 2 Samuel chapter 9, there's this really great story. This really great account, rather, of when David took over as king. Remember, Saul was killed in battle. Jonathan was killed. David took over as king. And usually the way a monarchy works is that when you become in charge to make sure that the surviving family of the monarch that you replace doesn't launch a rebellion or coup against you, you eliminate everybody in his family. They're executed. At the minimum, they're exiled and they try to execute them so they don't, you know, stage a rebellion. When Saul and Jonathan, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan died, there was one remaining grandson of Saul. Some of you may remember this from the Old Testament, 2 Samuel 9, I believe it is. His name was Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was, was crippled in both feet. He was unable to walk. I don't know how he was carried about. Uh, I don't, they didn't have wheelchairs back then, probably, or maybe some makeshift version of it. But, but listen to this. David could have executed Mephibosheth, but he didn't. He said, not only are you not going to be destroyed, but you and your family and your servants, you are going to eat at my table every day for the rest of your life, and I'm going to take care of your loved ones. All the property, all the inheritance that your grandfather saw and your father Jonathan, I'm going to give to you. See, see, true, true reconciliation, true forgiveness, of someone that's injured you is not just words. It's not just saying, I accept your apology. I accept your, your offer. I, I accept your, 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 your uh, restitution. No, it's also action. It's a verb. You have to show someone. You have to release them. You have to release yourself. So many of us are sick and have physical infirmities, mental and emotional infirmities because we haven't let go of things. We haven't forgiven our brother and we haven't forgiven ourselves. And so as the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, that the devil is an accuser of their brethren, accusing us before the father day and night. Don't be a victim of unforgiveness. 
Don't be a victim of non-reconciliation. Don't be a victim of not having liberty and freedom. For where the spirit is, there is liberty. Whom the son has set free is free indeed. You are free. Your sins have been forgiven. Yeah. Let others go. Yeah. Release them. Don't hold things against them. Don't harbor ill will. Don't harbor resentment. Don't harbor hatred. Don't harbor vengeance. It's not worth it. You're killing yourself by doing so, physically and spiritually. Amen? Amen. Boy, David learned this lesson. And he, boy, he showed great grace and mercy to Mephibosheth. I, I, loved, I love what Matthew 5, 23 says. And I quote this often. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember your brother has something against you. The onus is on you. You remember. He doesn't have to come to you. You know things aren't right. You're not speaking. You're not loving each other. You're not communion. You're not fellowshipping. It's incumbent upon us, not always the, the injurer, not always the perpetrator, but it's incumbent upon whoever knows something is in the air, something needs to be rectified. It's our job to preemptively, proactively go to that person and make it right. The Bible says when you know that, that your brother has something against you. You leave your offering there before the altar, according to Matthew 5, 23 and 24, and go first. I love that. I don't care what translation you're reading. I'm looking at the New American Standard, King James Version, NLT, ESV, NIV. It doesn't matter. That word first is there. First be reconciled. First get forgiveness. First resolve your issues. First bring about resolution. First bring about freedom. Liberty, release them. Release yourself. Oh boy, how many saints, how many of you that may be listening now are suffering from some form of unforgiveness, some form of irreconciliation, some form of an issue that's not resolved, something that could be harboring. It could be ever so small in the recesses of your heart that you're just holding on to, something that you haven't addressed something that you haven't given to the Lord and let the person go, let the situation go, let the issue go, let the problem go, let the fight go, let the argument go, let the harsh words go, let the anger go. Lord Jesus, free us, liberate us. Let's not go through a pandemic of a disease and then a pandemic of unforgiveness and and bitterness and resentment. First Corinthians 13, five says, love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. But here's the part that I love. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm going with this. The love chapter. We think the love chapter is great. We recite it at weddings. But you know what else the love chapter says? And verse 5, 1 Corinthians, it says, love does not take into an account a wrong suffered. You got to forget it. You got to let it go. You got to treat that person like they're golden. 
you, there can't be any remnants, any residual, any collateral damage in terms of that relationship. Two more quick, two more quickies. Real recognition, real rec reconciliation, and here's one more. Next to the last one, real results. I love what I love what Joseph said. The Lord said to Joseph, He said, "Listen to this. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present. Watch this, this present result. First, real 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 recognition. I." recognize the problem, real reconciliation. I really, really forgive and release my brother and sister for their fault against me. And then the real result of that is I, I live that out. As JD and Sister Marie says, I walk that out. I exercise, I live in the reality that I have released them and released myself that that's real that that's that's real results the result of your reconciliation the result of your uh, uh, of your resolution is that you will live this thing as though you were never injured and it never happened look you know here's a, here's a great example over in Luke 19 remember Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus however you want to pronounce it in Luke 19, Zacchaeus was a little short man. He was the chief tax collector, which means he had tax collectors working for him, which means he was very, 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 very wealthy. Very wealthy. The Bible says he climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus because he wanted to see Jesus that bad. Whew, there's a whole message there about people's drive to see the Lord. I, I want to be in your presence. I won't let anything deter me. I got to see Jesus. I got to get into your presence. I got to have fellowship with the Lord. If I have to climb a tree, a 57-year-old man possibly pulling up his robe and climbing up a sycamore tree like an eight-year-old kid because he wants to see Jesus. He's too short to see over the crowd, but he's going to make his presence known. He's going to yell, Lord, I, I, Lord, Lord, I, I got to come to see you. I, I, and the Lord actually called him down. I, I must eat at your house. But his willingness, his, his eagerness, his responsiveness to the Lord's call. But I love what happened. As he was walking to his house, Zacchaeus, on his own, without provocation, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, said, Lord, I'm going to give half of all that I have to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to repay them four times what I cheated them. That's 400%. He did this on his own. I, I, I remember teaching this some years ago. The Jewish law says if you steal something from somebody, if you take something from someone, the law requires that you repay that plus 20%. You repay that plus 20% additional. Zacchaeus said, I'm going to repay that plus, wait for it, 400%. I'm going to give them four times what I took from them. And being a chief, collect, uh, a chief tax collector, I would venture to say that was not a short list of people that he had defrauded. 
especially the way they collected taxes and how they did and how unscrupulous it was. But why I brought up Zacchaeus is that I'm looking at the reconciliation in his heart. I'm looking at he wasn't looking for, well, where is the line? Or how far do I have to go? Or, well, isn't this good enough? He wasn't looking for an out. He wasn't looking for a boundary. He wasn't looking for a, a loophole. He said, you know what, Lord, voluntarily, I'm going to give half of my wealth away. And what I have left, I'm going to pay back everybody I cheated by 400%. Four times what I took from them. Luke 19, look it up. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that show I don't want any, I don't need or want any of this. I want you. I got what I want. I have salvation. And Jesus just responded to me and said, truly salvation has come to this house. Not just the Zacchaeus, but his whole family was saved. Woo, boy, oh boy. When we catch fire, let me tell you something about reconciliation. Let me tell you something about forgiveness. It is liberating. It is contagious. It is amazing. It impacts not just your life, but those are, that are around you. They see the change. They see the lightness. They see the freedom. They see the liberty. They see the joy, which is what I'm getting ready to talk about as I close. The joy that comes into your life because you've let it go. You've forgiven. You've been forgiven. You walk in the newness of life. You become, as 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Mm. Whew. Let me wrap this up. <laughs> the my last point is real rejoicing. Once, once you recognize the problem, once you reconcile with your brother and sister. Once you show the results of said recognition, reconciliation, then there is time for real rejoicing. People that are free, woo! People that are liberated, people that are not carrying burdens and grudges and gripes and vengeance and problems and, and, and saddled with all types of conflict and unresolved problems in their lives, People that are issue free, that are not trying to get uh, extract their pound of flesh. People that have really released and let go of things that have been plaguing them in some cases for decades. Those people, those people are ready to just rock and roll. Woo, boy, oh boy. Look at this passage here. Micah, Micah, last one, last person. Here's the scripture that supports this last, last passage. Micah 7, 18, and I'm going to wrap it up. Micah 7, 18, this is just so beautiful. Micah 7, 18, you can turn to it. It's in the notes. Here's what it says. Where is another God like you? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question of rhetorical questions. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love, the scripture says. Verse 19 says, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors 
Abraham and Jacob long ago. Woo, boy, oh, if, if, there, there's one to stick on your, your mirror, stick, stick on your refrigerator. Uh, this is like a but God scripture. Look at all those great things, the Lord. And, and if that wasn't enough, Paul echoed him in over in second, over in Colossians 2. He almost says the same thing in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God, I, I could say, but God, indeed God, by the way, God, then God whew, made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. And here's the part I love. Watch this. Here's the exciting part. Here's the part that you can shout on. He canceled the record. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away and nailed it to the cross. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. The Lord canceled our certificate of debt. He canceled our sins. He canceled our transgressions. He canceled all the things we did wrong to him. How dare I not forgive you? How dare you not forgive me? When our grievances don't have life or death consequences, certainly not eternal life and death consequences, but the Lord canceled the certificate of debt, debt, D-E-B-T. He canceled our debt of sins that had eternal ramifications. <laughs> no wonder the psalmist wrote in Psalms 32, oh, what joy. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy, what joy, J-O-E. Joy stands for Jesus over you. J-O-Y, I'm sorry, J-O-E, J-O-Y. Thank you, Susan Marie, J-O-Y, <laughs> Jesus over you. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. I'm reading Psalms 32 too. 32.3 says, when I confess, I'm sorry, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Unforgiveness, lack of confession, lack of real recognition, lack of real reconciliation is basically like a spiritual cancer that eats away at us that just erodes the quality of our life it erodes the joy in our lives the psalmist finally says in verse 5 of psalms 32 finally i confess all my sins to you and i stopped trying to hide my guilt i said to myself I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Hmm. Just, just hang on. I just, I just, I just need a minute.
you know, the passage, the passage in Micah 7, verse 19, so, it so reminds me of Lamentations 3, 20 and 21, about great is your faithfulness, your, your compassions fail not, your mercies are new each morning. I just love he says, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised. Since God is so good to us, please be good to others. Be patient. Be kind. Be polite. Be forgiving. Be tolerant. Let's keep short receipts. That passage over there that I read you earlier, Matthew 5, 23, 24, verse 25, I believe, says something like, uh, make haste, speedily resolve your differences, whether they're legal or personal. Quickly, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Shut, shut down this anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let him get in. Hurt can turn to hate easily. Hurt can turn to hate. An insult can turn to bitterness. We're better than that. God has more for us. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. We ask that your word sink into our hearts and sink into our spirits that it will become rhema to us, not just logos, but that it will become rhema, the living, breathing, working word in us, accomplishing your will in Jesus' name. Amen. The Monday morning moment is real forgiveness. Real forgiveness relieves and releases you and others. I'll say it again. Real forgiveness relieves and releases you and others in Jesus' name. Rick, you want to share with us?